Thank you. Good evening. Anybody have a Bible? You do. What's your name? Daniel? Nathaniel. It's good for me. What else is good for you? It's good for me. <laughs> if you have a Bible, open up to the book of Proverbs. And you can find Proverbs if you can find the Psalms. And you can usually find the Psalms by opening your Bible kind of in the middle. Generally speaking, it'll open to the Psalms. Generally speaking. And then when you find the Psalms, go one more book and you'll be at the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 1, so open to the middle, very middle, find the Psalms, go one book past it, Proverbs, or as this young man's doing, look in the index, turn to page 743 or whatever it is, Proverbs. Now, um, in conferring with the folks here about coming, talking to them about what to do, the suggestion was made that uh, we would do something practical, and so we're going to be doing one of the most practical books there is, the book of Proverbs. We'll be looking at the book of Proverbs tonight, Lord willing, in the morning, and on Sunday as well. Somebody already asked the question, you're going to do the whole book, and uh, no, but we're going to focus on the first nine chapters, and I'm not going to say a lot about that tonight for sake of time, but um, in the morning I'll say why we'll be focusing on the first nine chapters. But right now we're going to look at Proverbs chapter 1. I'm going to read selectively from this book, uh, this chapter, and I'm going to read the first few verses and then break off and read some of the select verses. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice and judgment and equity, to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and will increase learning. And a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. To understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother, for they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head, and chains about thy neck. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Verse 20. Wisdom crieth without. She uttereth her voice in the streets. She crieth in the chief place of concourse, in the openings of the gates, in the city she uttereth her words, saying, How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? And scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. 
Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. Proverbs chapter 1. Now, I can't remember. What's the, is it a grade break or an age break? Grade break. So what's the grade break? Age break. 12. So 12 and under and then 13 and up. Right? 12 and under, 13 and up. All right. So the first question is going to be for 12 and under, which I think is probably the folks that are sitting a little closer to me. So this is a question for the 12 and under. Is Some of this will be open book tests, so it will be a little bit easier. But I want you to do this for me, if you would. If you know the answer, don't just shout it out. Raise your hand so we can kind of do this in orderly fashion. Who wrote the book of Proverbs? King Solomon's son of King David. So he gave me two answers. He answered actually the next question, which was, who was Solomon? And he was the son of David. Now, hard question. We're going to still stick with the 12 and under here. Um, what number of king was Solomon? This is not a trick question, but it's one you've got to think about. You know, like was he one, two, three, four, what? Anybody know that 12 and under? Oh, wait, I didn't see you back there. Are you the 12 and under group as well? Okay. You're Esther? Yes, go ahead. Excellent. Because it was a little bit of a trick question. Not trick, but I mean, it'd be easy to say there was David and Solomon, but there was also Saul. So he was the third king, but the second in the line of kings from David, David, and Solomon. Now, here comes the really hard question. I don't know if I'm going to be able to stay in the 12 and under with this one, but I'm going to try. After King Solomon... Something very dramatic happened in the nation of Israel, and uh, it forever changed the landscape of that nation, if you will. Something really significant happened. If you're 12 and under and you know what that is, okay, 12 and 0 or 13 and up, you know. Say it again. That was, well, actually that happened during the life of Solomon. Yeah, after King Solomon, but that's a good thing to remember. So after King Solomon, I think we're in the 13 and up group now. Very significant event, forever marked the history of the nation of Israel. Uh, that would come later. That was a significant event, but this is right after King Solomon. Matter of fact, very next king that this happened. Okay, we're in the 13 and up, and somebody's cautiously raising your hand about there. But they are 13 and up. Megan? Uh, separated. There was a split came. The, the division of the nation of Israel. And so the nation divided. It divided into two parts, basically, although it wasn't equal in that there were like ten tribes and two tribes. But they divided basically into what was called the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And they were known by different names. Sometimes the northern kingdom was just called Israel. And the southern kingdom was known as Judah. Sometimes they were called the ten tribes and the two tribes, and so on. Now, this isn't just a history lesson tonight, but again, after King Solomon, there was King Rehoboam and King 
uh, well, uh, one man who became king called Jeroboam. So that's when the split came in, Solomon's son Rehoboam. And so for, for all those years, down through the centuries, the nation of Israel was split in two. All the people were going to be scattered. Now here's another hard question, but at least makes us think about it a little bit. Um, how many of the kings of Israel, the northern kingdom, were bad kings? Raise your hand if you know the answer. Cautious hand being moved up there in the back. All of them. All of the kings of the northern kingdom of Israel were bad kings. Now, I'm not going to ask you about the southern kingdom because unless you really are sharp, you're not going to know the answer to that. Um, and if I see Malcolm shaking his head, he doesn't know the answer. Then I'm figuring i got no hope. Do you know? Well, most, there's a good generalized answer. You could uh, get away with that. Here's the way I say it. If you ever get tested on the kings, whether they were good or bad, all the kings in general, if you put all bad, you'd still make a passing grade, although you wouldn't make a hundred. I see Dave raise his hand back here saying seven. Seven good kings? Eight. Eight good. And that may or may not be true. I don't know because I can't keep up with them. But there were more bad than there were good. So when the kings were bad... Other things were bad, too. The priesthood was corrupt oftentimes. The northern kingdom was totally corrupt, totally apostate. There were believers that would have been found up there, like Elijah and Elisha. But for the most part, the kingdom as a whole was bad. Now, why is that significant? I believe it's significant because just before the kingdom split, God gives to Solomon, at least sometime prior to that, this book of Proverbs to give to the people. Initially written to his son, but of course expanded to all who hear it. Why would that be important? All right. Um, anybody here ever read any of the Proverbs before, the book of Proverbs? Your parents probably quote them to you here. Some of your parents anyway. And you've read the book of Proverbs, and you know they're just mostly short, compact statements, right? They're not long for the most part. There are some parts in it that have a little bit longer sections and all, but for the most part, they're very short. And so what I call it is a, a, it is a form of compact truth. But it's more than just a form of compact truth. It's a truth that is compact that could be easily carried with them. It was portable. They didn't have to have a whole book written. They could have... These short proverbs that were given to them that were so full of meaning because not only was it a form of compact truth in a convenient, portable form, it could be unpacked. It could be uh, expanded. Now, I gave this illustration in one place and they all laughed at me because they said, oh, we all still use that stuff. You're from Florida. You probably don't. But I, I gave the illustration of concentrated orange juice thinking that nobody would know what that was because who uses that anymore? But uh, a whole bunch of women came running up to me like, we all use that. What are you trying to say? But anyway, um, anybody here use concentrated orange juice? You do? Yes, okay. No. Well, anyway, um, you know, it's a, uh, it's what you did with this concentrated orange juice was it comes frozen in a can and uh, you open the can, pour the glop of stuff out into the pitcher, and then you add three cans of water, whatever size they are, 
to the gloppy stuff in the pitcher, and then you try your best to break it all up and mix it up. And, and what you've done, you see, it's concentrated. You add water to it, and it expands. And I'm always reminded of that when I think of the Proverbs, because here was this portable form of truth that they could take with them, even though the kingdom was going to be split apart. They wouldn't have necessarily a, a priest that they could go to, or they wouldn't have even a temple in some instances they could go to, but they could have God's truth with them in a portable, convenient expandable form. So you could take one of these Proverbs, for instance, Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. They could take that with them. They could expand it, meditate upon it, unpack it, and uh, it would do them good. It would do them good. Now, uh, next question, 12 and under group. It's a hard question. Anybody here that's actually 12? 12, how many 12s? 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 You're 12, Bethany? Yeah. You think you're 12, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> you're 5. You already told me you're 5. Which I find hard to believe too, but anyway. Um, 12 and under group. Do you know how many chapters are in the book of Proverbs? You do? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Wait, Esther. 31. Very good. Now, how many days are in most months? 30 to 31, right? February 28. Most months, 30, 31. So, you've got uh, 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. You can read the book of Proverbs if you read a chapter a day in most months. There are a few months where you have to add a few more. That's not a bad thing to do. Now, this is a question that I'm sure, unless you've read the book of Proverbs, you may not know the answer to this question, or if you've heard the book read, but again, raise your hand if you know the answer to this. What does the book of Proverbs talk about? Give me a, give me a subject. Raise your hand. Oh, I'm sorry, Isaiah in the back. Wisdom. There's one right at the forefront. Wisdom. Matter of fact, good little challenge. Go through the book of Proverbs, take a highlighter, mark it, or any kind of pen, whatever you use, mark how many times or highlight or circle the number of times the word wisdom and wise is found. You'll be impressed. What else does the book of Proverbs talk about? Anybody? This is not only 12. Yes. Instruction. Instruction. What else? Foolishness. What else? Sin. What else? Judgment. Judgment. Knowledge. Knowledge. Man, y'all are doing all the heavy stuff. What else? Understanding. Understanding. That's all the big, big, heavy concepts. What else? Discretion. Money. Greed. Self-control. What'd you say? I heard it. Prostitutes. What else? Virtuous woman. Non-prostitute. Deceit. Justice. It talks about marriage. 
It talks about children. It talks about husbands and wives. It talks about parents. It talks about disciplining your children. It talks about children obeying their parents. It talks about what you do in your business. It talks about what you do in your home. It talks about what you do with your neighbors and people that you live around. It talks about how you live in society. It talks about what you say with your mouth, what you listen to with your ears, what you watch with your eyes, what you think about. It talks about whether you ought to make a loan to somebody or not, whether you ought to charge interest to somebody or not, finances, alcohol, drinking, all sorts of stuff, laziness, work ethic, all that stuff is in the Proverbs. You're done. <laughs> what you got? It does? Where does it say that? No, we're in the Proverbs. Proverbs. Good try. <laughs> Slip one in the back door at the end of the Psalms there. So it talks about all that stuff, doesn't it? Now, when you think about all those things, all of those subject categories that I've just listed, and there's a whole bunch more, um, that's the stuff life is made of, isn't it? That's the stuff life is made of. Now, listen to this. It says in Proverbs chapter 1, here's two verses that would be good to memorize. Uh, and one is Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And the second is a similar verse found in Proverbs 9 and 10, which says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Now, we're going to look at this more in detail in the morning. But what is wisdom? You don't have to answer. You don't have to raise your hand because I'm going to tell you. And I'm going to tell you not because I know better than you. I'm just going to tell you from what the Word of God says. Because wisdom can mean a lot of things, doesn't it? When the book of Proverbs says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, what does that mean? Well, if you want to turn with me in your Bible, I'll turn back to the book of Proverbs in just a moment. But you could turn back to the book of Exodus in chapter 28. And in Exodus chapter 28, you'll find the same word that's used for wisdom. It'll say there that I have taken un, uh, take Aaron and his sons and so on. And then it says in verse 2, Make holy garments for Aaron thy brother for glory and for beauty, and thou shalt speak unto all that are wise-hearted, whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. Notice the word there, the spirit of wisdom. And then in Exodus chapter 31, I think it's 31. It is 31. 31, the Lord says, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and in understanding and in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship to devise cunning works to work in gold, silver, and brass, cutting of stones, carving of timbers, and so on and so on and so on. So when it came to making the articles for the tabernacle and the garments for the high priest, which would have involved embroidery, uh, applique, uh, sewing of gold and weaving of uh, precious metals into the garments and, and the, the, the cutting of the timbers and the, carving, uh, the cutting of the stones and all this other stuff, it said, I have put in them the spirit of wisdom. I have given them the skill 
to do something. The ability to do something. The skill or the ability to do something. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. When you apply that in the book of Proverbs then, and Proverbs covers all these different aspects of life, I would call the book of Proverbs, or title it this way, the skill uh, or the ability to live life. How to live life skillfully. How do you live life skillfully? You live it according to the wisdom of God, which begins with the fear of the Lord. It's a concept we'll have to expand and think about a little bit. In other words, here at the gate, at the starting gate, the book of Proverbs says, if you come in at this gate, you're going to get in on the skill that will enable you to live your life effectively. You're going to get in on the ability to live your life skillfully. Your life will not become a train wreck because you'll be able to live life skillfully. And it begins with the fear of the Lord. Now, I read two verses here in the book of Proverbs, and I promised certain powers that be that I'd only be about 20 minutes tonight, but uh, I want to take it up a notch, kick it up a notch beyond the 12. I don't think the 12 uh, and under are going to get this one. If they do, that's fine. So this one's open for anybody. There is a literary principle that's used in the book of Proverbs quite extensively. And what this literary principle does is to take a certain concept and make it like a person. Do you know what we call that? Raise your hand if you know the answer. I thought I heard somebody over here say that. Personification. Excellent. Excellent. That's when you take a concept and you make it like a person to personify it. I think, Andrew, did you have the right answer? Good. Personification. And so what the writer of the Proverbs does is he uses this principle of personification because now he says, look, wisdom is not just a theory. Wisdom is not just a concept. Wisdom's not just a thing. He says in verse 20, wisdom is like a woman. And she stands and she calls out and says, hey, Come this way. Why is that important? Because that's not the only voice that's calling out. Before that, you see, he says, now, son, watch out. Because sinners are going to come and they're going to entice you. They're going to say, hey, come this way. Follow us. This is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to get into. It's going to be all good. But you better watch out, he says. That's a voice that's calling out in the world, you see. But then wisdom steps in like a woman and says, Hey, wait a minute. Don't go that way. Follow this way. And if you follow this way, these will be the things that will be beneficial to you. And wisdom stands right. It says here in the book of Proverbs, utters her voice out in the street where it's out and open and available. And she stands in the chief place of the concourse at the head of the streets 
at the opening of the gates, she plants herself right plants herself right there where you can't really get around her unless you try to go around her because she's at the head of the streets. Imagine now, you're coming down there, and here's where all the streets come together, and right there stands wisdom. And God puts her right in the way. And in this opening chapter of the book of Proverbs, this book that is filled with so many of these short statements that are compact and full of truth, you have one of the great truths that's brought out for us in all the Word of God. Two voices calling out. Which one will you listen to? Which path will you take? Which road will you go down? The choice is yours. It's really the story of the Bible in miniature in a sense, isn't it? It goes all the way back to the garden, doesn't it? Two voices. Which one will you listen to? One sounds glamorous. One sounds attractive. One is enticing. One says this is all going to be for you. But it's a way of sin. And it leads to destruction. You see, there's one of the Proverbs that says this. Matter of fact, I think it says it twice. Some of the Proverbs are repeated. But it says this. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You can choose to go down that path if you, if you so desire, but the end of it is going to be death and destruction. And so Proverbs, you see, and the Spirit of God through Solomon wants to prevent you from going down that path. By entering in at the gate of wisdom and the fear of the Lord. Now, I won't take the time to go into it detail tonight except to say this. That the fear of the Lord as I would define it is simply this. It is respect for God's authority. It is a recognition of God's authority. And if in the, New, if in the Old Testament wisdom is personified as a person, in the New Testament wisdom is incarnate in a person, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. For Paul, writing to, to the Corinthians, says, Christ is made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Christ is made unto us wisdom. If you're going to get in on the wisdom that God has to offer, the starting gate is Christ. You're going to have to come through him. Preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, we recognize the power of God and the wisdom of God, the writer to the Corinthians, Paul says. And so to get in on it, because you see, one of the things the proverb is going to do as well, it's not only going to show us that there are two roads, two paths that you can go down, but it's going to do something else. And if you've ever read the book of Proverbs, you know this is true. Everything's pretty much cut and dried, isn't it? No middle ground. It takes away the middle ground. And by taking away the middle ground, it forces you to make a decision. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Which one are you? If you submit yourself to the Lord's authority, if you come to Christ and His salvation and what Christ has done for us on the cross and His death to die for sin and to make a way for us to enter into God's heaven, the forgiveness that He provides and the salvation that's found in Him, that's the beginning of wisdom. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Which one are you? The, the writer of the Proverbs compels us to make that judgment. 
And so, just a little bit about the book tonight, but more than just about the book, about the two paths that are there, the way that's open to us. Which path will you go on? Which one will you choose? Some of you are at an age where you're making critical decisions about life. And uh, it's good to remember how the Proverbs brings that before us, the way of wisdom that's open to us that will give us the ability to live life skillfully.